and welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera, the, the podcast for camera aficionados, imaging intellectuals, uh, creative uh, creators. I really should have thought of the intro a little bit better. Look, 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 don't judge us by the intro. This is a show where we spend a quick 20 to 30 minutes going through the hottest, most interesting news in the imaging space. My name is Gadget, and every episode I am joined by my co-host, my compadre, Anthony. What's going on? I'm uh, excited to talk about uh, this new camera release and uh, Profoto. Profoto has something uh, juicy that we can talk about. What's uh, what's on the agenda for today, Gadget? Oh, oh we're going to talk. We're going to talk about Profoto because they got something new. We're going to talk about the iPad. We're going to give some love to the iPad here. Talk about mm-hmm. something that released for that platform. But first, we're going to start with Nikon because Nikon announced a brand new camera last mm-hmm. week. It is the Nikon Z30. Anthony, g- give us a quick overview of this camera and what it can do. For sure. So this has the same sensor as the ZFC and Z50. So you're in terms of photo quality, you're pretty much getting the same uh, out of these cameras altogether. People are calling this though like the first Nikon vlogging camera that you could like really use for content creation. Um, this the Z50 had that like weird flip down screen, which never really worked if you like stick it on a tripod or anything like that. So they've fixed that. They've got that Canon flip out screen. It's just the best there's no getting around it it has a built-in mic and apparently there's going to be a vlogging kit that does include a dead cat um, that can be attached onto the mic this camera does not have ibis but it does have the digital vr with a slight crop not too bad there i autofocus uh, and it's actually quite good i saw multiple examples of it and it looks fantastic and you can talk more about that 4k 30p up to 125 minutes of inter- uninterrupted shooting, which is is pretty slick. Uh, it does have the option to charge by a USB, so you can take those longer takes and not run out of juice with your small little ENEL25 battery. And it also has a front-facing tally light, uh, which I think is one of my favorite features on uh, my X-T4. When you're vlogging and such, then you just know you're recording. And you can get all that plus a 16 to 55 millimeter kit uh, for ten forty nine, so I think that's a pretty good deal. What What do you think? You got hands on with the camera, so what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, this camera came as a surprise for me. It arrived at my doorstep. We started testing it out, playing with it, taking it to different environments, and right away, I I grew an appreciation for how it felt in the hand. So it doesn't have an mm-hmm. electronic viewfinder, right? You're looking at the back LCD to compose to get your shot and and really utilize the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt sturdy. It felt dense in a good way where most cameras at this price point and this size often feel kind of plasticky. They feel like yeah. there's a bit of hollow space. And if you drop it on the wrong angle, it <laughs> might just like reverberate through the camera. This yeah. one doesn't feel like that. And it has that signature Nikon grip. It's not as big as what you'd see from their DSLRs or even their higher end Z cameras. But it has that signature grip so that it feels secure when you're holding it. Like, I never mm-hmm. felt like I had to put a camera strap on this thing or, or a cuff on this thing to keep it in my hands. I was walking around the beach with it, and it was fine. It just kind of locked into place. One thing that I also appreciated that I don't think enough camera brands are doing, especially on their premium cameras, 
is the LCD is extremely sturdy. Like when mm. you flip that thing and you tilt it, that is staying there. And it's a small detail, but you often don't hear a lot of people talking about this in like YouTube videos or even like written reviews. But yeah. when you're a user, that's one of the first things you'll notice is that some of these cameras, you flip it out and it just kind of feels flimsy. It feels like it can break easily or just doesn't stay in place. No, this one is solid. So that, mm -hmm. you know, when we're actually composing a shot or going for a low angle shot, we know it's going to stay there. We know it's just going to actually be in that spot and give a great user experience. So let's go back to the camera itself. It's it's a crop sensor, right? It's a smaller sensor mm -hmm. that this, be, this is being used, similar to the ZFC. A good sensor, if you ask me. Like, this is yeah. going to give most people plenty of results. Like, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people will split hairs when it comes to crop sensors and full frame sensors and this generation and that generation. It's a really good sensor. You give that sort of neutral Canon, uh, sorry, Nikon look, not Canon. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the Nikon has this sort of neutral approach, I like to say, when it comes to colors, right? It kind of gives you a more photorealistic representation and then you can grade that in whichever direction you like. Where their counterparts like Sony and Canon might start in a warmer or a tinted environment just to have mm -hmm. their sort of signature look and then you kind of work from there. When I was using this camera, like you mentioned, the autofocus, it worked reliably. Now, I didn't give it the super stress test. I used it more as a vlogger, a traveler, just to see what their experience was like. And even in dimly lit environments, it was finding my face, it was finding my eye, it was tracking mm -hmm. it with accuracy, and the footage confirmed that. When I look at this camera, I, I also see a lot of potential. And I, despite my requests, whenever I get the Nikon zfc or these you know dx cameras they call it these crop sensor cameras i never get other lenses for them so this is also a public plea for nikon canada please send me some of your beautiful glass that full frame <laughs> primo glass let's actually see what this can do because they make phenomenal lenses they always have you know for the longest time just created this library of phenomenal lenses and i would love to test this you know with an 85 or a 50 because mm -hmm. The sensor, again, is not doing most of the legwork. It's the glass you put in front of it. And we were using the kit lens. I'll be honest, the kit lens is probably good for a lot of people. But mm -hmm. I would strongly urge people, it, you have this really modern engine, modern features, look to get the body and invest in nicer glass. Even if it might be adapting an older Nikon lens to this, you're going to get a beautiful look with a camera like this using a little bit more premium glass. So, you know, I, I wish I had a chance to sort of test it more with higher end optics and really showcase what this thing can do. But so far, I'm impressed. I really feel like, especially those that are looking for that sub $1,000 camera to take with them to upgrade from their old DSLR or upgrade from their smartphone, you know, traveling all around mm -hmm. and, and documenting more of the world. This is a great addition uh, to the sort of catalog on the market right now. Now, I, listen, I'm going to give Anthony a chance to talk, but I will say it's an interesting strategy not to include certain premium features like N-Log, the log format for video recording. I struggle to understand or, or accept that it is a technical limitation, that the camera cannot do it. So you can record in their picture profiles and get a, you know, a good look. But why not include 
the logarithmic picture profile that gives you this super flat look that, you know, from all my samples so far, looks really good to grade and start with. Why not include that picture profile here mm -hmm. where you have this camera that's going to appeal to the sort of, you know, in person that's just getting started or wants to go down the content creator role or just wants to upgrade their old stuff. But something that, you know, a lot of enthusiasts and hobbyist creators that want to be doing more video might see as an opportunity where like, hold on a second, under a thousand bucks and you get a nice log profile to work with and it has really good autofocus and the build quality is just really sturdy. I, I wonder why that was left off the table. Yeah, I would have liked to see that too. Uh, one thing I did notice is like the dynamic range wasn't the greatest, but that's expected in this kind of price point. And I'm glad you did touch on the build quality as well, because one thing that I was super curious about is in this price point, it's questionable whether or not this is going to feel super plasticky. I'm thinking like Canon M50, it, it felt good in the hands, but it wasn't like it wasn't anything to write home about in terms of just like the overall build quality. It was a little sketchy if you were, you know, doing some risque things with uh, with that camera. So I'm glad you kind of touched on that. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with the, the log profile. I would have liked to see a little bit more dynamic range out of that. So that way this could blend into like a more enthusiast camera. So that's that's what... Yeah, I, I I totally agree with what you're saying, and and I would have liked to seen that as well. So looking at this camera, you know, I got hands on with it, and you got a lot of time looking at the reviews and, and seeing some of the training material from this. Mm -hmm. Who do you believe is going to get the most value from a camera like this? Well, they're definitely marketing this towards that content creator. And when I first saw this camera, uh, and I saw people like using this camera. Um, I totally just jumped to like the traveler who's just like a backpacker wanting to get like a little bit of an upgrade. I think if you're coming up from like an entry level DSLR or even like a Sony ZV-1, this is going to be a very, very comfortable transition. And that's why I was like, I was kind of asking you prior to us hitting record here, how the body felt in the hands. And I'm glad you brought that up because like, it's, it's like that travel friendly camera that can just work and get you good results out of the box right and it's just going to be comfortable uh, i think people who are traveling doing any type of content creation they're going to really enjoy this but also if you're looking to just get a really solid webcam the fact that this has a the option to charge by usb uh, this is going to be fantastic for people who just want to up their quality of like a live stream or just like even on a team's call i'm <laughs> you and i were always going like all out on these team's calls uh with like the quality of like lighting and stuff like that so uh, i think that's a that's a person who who might really enjoy this camera in this uh, particular price point. So yeah, yeah I think that's, yeah. that's really and, it. You know, it's one of these things where if you're upgrading from your mobile device and you want a reliable solution that you can yeah. use to sort of document your life, but also use as a webcam, use it for streaming and just kind of do a lot and a lot of things in that nature with it. Great camera to look at, especially mm -hmm. again, it really comes back to the feel of things. So when you put it in your hands, you kind of notice how robust it feels despite its price point. Um, that is an impressive quality for a lot of people. It's interesting, you mentioned the ZV-1. And so that's where, you know, the range of this camera might fall a little bit short because when you don't have the sort of log pro profiles, you don't have some mm -hmm. of these 
uh, technical software features, it kind of cuts it a little bit short. But I'll be honest, maybe that's okay. Maybe yeah. Nikon is saying, look, we don't even want this camera to appeal to the super enthusiast, the person that yeah. was going to be editing their videos in a log format, that's going to be using this as you know a behind-the-scenes camera at a, at, a, at a medium or small size production. We're okay with that. We want to make something yeah. for someone that is not necessarily creating for, uh, for, you know, uh, for income, I guess you could say, is more mm -hmm. creating for themselves and as high as content creation and creating for an audience and that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know because they didn't tell us any of this <laughs> and it's, it's still suspect because the camera's not on the market. So I'm excited to see how it is you know, uh, received on the market, how people are going to be using it, what they're going to be creating with that. But enough about Nikon. We got to keep the show going. Let's talk about Profoto. We haven't talked about Profoto in a while and we're going to talk about them yeah. now because they just in introduced a brand new light in the Profoto A2. This is a new strobe light that they introduced, 100 watts of power. Now, if you've heard of the A1, it looked like a typical speed light that would sit on top of your camera or you'd have it on a stand where it has the tilting head, but it introduced the round head. And that was sort of an innovation at the time because no one was really doing that. And mm -hmm. with that came, you know, the attachments and modifiers that you could put to that. Well, now they have this soda can, pop can, depending on what you call it, sized light with that round head, 100 watts of power, and you're getting that pro photo build quality and feature set. This light, Anthony, I'm just going to start with this, comes in at a thousand bucks. All right. Wow. I didn't even see, I didn't even actually see the price. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy so, smokes. <laughs> qualifying this light a bit, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. So knowing this so far, <laughs> what are your, you're not really a speed light, strobe light kind of guy, uh, but lo knowing this, what are your first impressions? Well, little do people know is that like, I was a portrait photographer for five years and uh, I'm, I love strobes, um, but I never really use them because I shoot so much video for Henry's <laughs> that people forget that Anthony is a portrait photographer at heart. So this this looks pretty hype. When I saw somebody put this in like the water bottle holder of their backpack, I was just like, whoa, this thing is, it's small. Like, this is crazy. It's like a shorter Yeti water bottle. That's what I was initially thinking. Uh, like you said, 100 watt seconds. And you have to kind of compare that to like what a speed light can do. So most people don't know that a speed light is probably about 60 to 70-ish watt seconds. Uh, and this is a little bit of a jump. So you're getting a little bit more power, but like you have to kind of think about this in the pro photo lineup so the next strobe up if we uh, exclude the b10x because that's like a photo and a video light pro photo has the b1x um, and that has 500 watts of seconds so uh, 500 watt seconds of, of power right so i think this fits really nicely in the pro photo lineup um, and yeah that I just don't know if like a hundred watt seconds for a thousand dollars is enough. I don't. I don't know. What do What do you think? I believe that is sort of the general reaction when most people hear about this. <laughs> okay. So let good. me take the other side of the argument. Let me be the company man. All right. Okay. Uh, 
what I will say with Profoto is that you're not paying for the specs on the page. Um, that's part of the equation, but that's not what you're paying for. When you're investing in Profoto lighting, you're investing in the entire experience, meaning mm -hmm. that if you get this product, you're paying for the research and engineering and the materials that are going into this product, that they are building something that is, historically speaking, meant to last decades. Yeah, That's how they're being designed. Now, whether they last decades, it comes back to how rough you are with it. But I've yeah. heard some insane stories of these Profoto <laughs> products just surviving. On top of that, let's look at the user experience with these lights. When it comes to the app connect, uh, connectivity, when it comes to the even the UI on the back, Profoto makes the easiest speed light, strobe light system that you can use in the imaging space. It's not even close. You don't have to research 13 YouTube videos to get started with Profoto. You often, so often, can just turn it on and go, <laughs> and it just works. Their app is incredibly easy to use, and they don't use a fractional system to denote power, right? The one out of one, one out of four, all that kind of stuff. They just use uh, a base 10 system. They go from zero to 10 in terms of power, and that's how they denote you know, how much power you're getting from this light. When you look at all of that, well, that, that costs money, and that's what you're paying for. That's what you're paying for. So whether you believe it's fair or unfair, you're allowed to believe that. But that's the difference here is that you're not just paying for an assembly, uh, a, sorry, an assembled piece of the best specs on the product. Mm -hmm. This is not being built like an Android phone where someone just saying, <laughs> what's the best chip? What's the best camera? What's the best chassis? Let's put it together and here you go. And a lot of these sort of non T higher tier branded products, even though they have great specs on the page, don't deliver a great customer experience. That's different with Profoto. You're paying for that experience overall, that reliability overall, and that's what you're getting for a thousand bucks. So then you go to the question like, okay, should I invest in this? It comes back to how much you create. If you are a wedding photographer, if you are a commercial portrait photographer, if you are deriving income from your photography, you will start to appreciate, especially if you're creating often, the value that Profoto brings to the table. Yeah. Now, there is levels to this because there's also Godox products, right? That, that work incredibly well, that I have a kit of my own that I've used for you know many, many years. It's been 2019 since I got the entire kit and haven't had any issues. Work great. The experience... You know, there's a gap there. It's not the easiest experience sometimes. And, you know, it's not something that's as easy for starters and beginners and, and students I might be teaching to get up and running with. But once you kind of get over that curve, you're good. You understand mm -hmm. it. And you might even argue that you understand it better than you would on the Profoto system because you had to learn it the hard way. I just like the fact that there's options on the market. You know, so you just, whether you're going to get this thousand dollar hundred watt light or not that's totally fine but now there is an option that appeals to those that will appreciate the premium build the premium experience along with this being compatible in the Profoto ecosystem so i think that's the one thing to appreciate that there's another option now that yeah. if you find yourself and we'll talk about this in the creator draft pick in a situation where you've been sort of settling with the product and it's kind of like gotten you halfway there and you're just like, 
can I just see what the best one looks like? Can I just see what a premium version looks like and see if it makes my life better? That's what the Pro Photo A2 is. I 100% agree. That's such a great point. Um, and it is so true because I think about this one photographer who I used to follow all the time is Zach Arias. Uh, and he actually got me into the Pulsy Buff products uh, because they are quite affordable. Uh, they're great strobes. You can get a lot of power out of the Einsteins from Pulsy Buff. They're great. Uh, and I've had mine, my Einstein for, for so long and it's, it's just held up. I bought a DigiB um, from Pulsy Buff. Uh, that actually did the bulb on it broke uh, and it is just a pain to get products for. So like, this is what you're saying, like the build quality, you're paying for that build quality. And it is so true because later on down the road, Zach Arias, uh, he like was doing a, a whole bunch of traveling and he had like these great think tank bags and such, but even through traveling on like a airplane and such, those Einsteins, those uh, DigiBs, they did start to break. Uh, so he eventually did move to Profoto and that's kind of what put Profoto on the map for me. That was a, so long ago now though, but it is such a great point. And uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, and I am, I, a firm believer that if you buy the right products once, you should never have to buy it twice. Uh, and a lot of strobes out there, like you're you're gonna eventually run into problems. Uh, but I maybe... wish I had sound effects for this podcast, you know, so I can throw in the <laughs> the alarm bells. That was a great line. Yeah, you buy the right product once, so you don't have to buy it again. Yeah, wow. exactly. What a and... beautiful line, Anthony. I, listen, I think we should just. End it there. Let's just go to the next. That was that was so eloquent. Let's just move on to the next subject. You got a question for me. You got a topic for me. Yeah. So we saw the Capture One Pro. They launched this software for the iPad. And I was just wondering, like, I don't do a lot on my iPad. I watch YouTube videos. I like the bigger screen. I bought my iPad because I wanted to show people photos and videos on a larger screen while I'm in our Henry's locations. So other than that, I don't do a lot on my iPad, but I was curious. I know you're always editing on the go and such. Is this something that you would be using? And also, is editing on an iPad, has it become more efficient? Should I look into this? What are your initial thoughts? So I've been using Capture One Pro for many, many years. I made the jump over from Lightroom, um, you know, when you start to get into monthly subscriptions, you got to ask yourself these tough questions. And, and it wasn't just that. It was actually the quality and the experience of editing. So I jumped over to the Capture One Pro and I've, I've never looked back. So when they said they were working on an iPad app, I was naturally excited. I knew I know some of the people at Capture One and, you know, in conversations, I got to beta test this actually. Since about December, we were testing this mm. and the experience. And this app is a very specific tool. And right now, it works like an editor would, right? You can open it up, import images, download them from the cloud, sync them from a Capture One session, uh, sorry, uh, your Capture One cloud session. You can, in the future, be able to tether with it. Really cool, unique stuff there. Once you go into the image and start editing, you get your basic set of editing tools, right? So you can control your colors, you can control your crops, you can control the refinements there, the sharpening there. You can even build styles and use styles here. There's sort of that rich, robust feature set of editing that you can do. 
it's not an app that's trying to do the editing for you, where some of these apps might have like AI features to sort of tweak mm-hmm. the image for you. It's not an app that's trying to replace an, a retouching app. It's not here where you can go in and do some heavy retouching on. No, it is simply here. And this is sort of the, the key feature. They're using Capture One's image processing engine in the iPad to give you editing on the go so that you can flag and key images and color tag and do adjustments and mark it up if you need to, you know, once you export, but just give you that Capture One experience on the iPad. Using this, you know, this app is not free. This one now requires a subscription. It starts at five bucks a month. When I look at this app, this is for that creative professional. I don't really even see this for many enthusiasts. This is for people that live in Capture One, that are opening it up regularly, weekly at the least, and have wanted Mm -hmm. that engine, that sort of processing engine on the go. So that's why I love the app. Because now if I'm working on files, and this is a great example, you know, maybe even if it's just me on the go doing some street photography uh, with the Leica, I can toss it over to the iPad using their app, go into this, process the image, using the same tools and same engine that I would on my desktop. And so Mm -hmm. it gives me a bit of a head start in sort of processing an image. So the street photography side of things, I don't always use it in a commercial way, right? It's usually for me, but the ability to sort of edit it, my, you know, my commercial way, my professional way on the go, that's a valuable feature for me. I'm looking at it right now and I'll be honest, there's still a ways to go. There's still like, capture one desktop features and differentiated features i'd like to see them bring here and i'm excited for that so i'm I'm also investing in the journey and this is not a recommendation i give most people right you don't want to buy an application or buy a product be based on future updates no buy it now mm-hmm. based on what it can do now so don't do what i do i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> unless you are a capture one pro living there using it regularly editing regularly there this is probably not an app that's going to appeal to you. That's, yeah, I, I hope that okay. answers your question. Okay, two more questions, and then we'll move on to the creator draft pick here. How is this app on the iPad, is it efficient if you're trying to edit, say, like 200, 400 photos uh, on the iPad? Can you do that in an efficient manner on the iPad? I, I haven't looked into this in so long, so you got to fill me in. Yeah, this is remarkably efficient on, especially on, you know, the newer iPad Pros, right? When you're using the M1 chips on them, being able Mm -hmm. to sort of import a huge collection of images, put it into an album and then go through, tag them, sort them by those tags, make an adjustment, copy that adjustment and then paste those adjustments on other images. It's really easy to do on this app. And what's unique about Mm -hmm. the app is that it's meant to be sort of handheld and used with both of your thumbs, where the left side, you're kind of picking the tools and the right side, you have this radial tool to sort of adjust from a zero to 100 of how much of this effect you want to apply. So it's really an easy way to sort of navigate the application, right? Mm -hmm. I'd love to see if there's a way to sort of build it to the one side, if there's a one way that they can build it in, but there's some (laughs) interesting stuff you can do when it comes to certain tools and being able to actually adjust your settings. So not just being able to edit a lot of images, I think just even editing a single image, it works incredibly well. Um, Mm. It's an experience that you 
I don't want to say it's completely unique, but it's pretty unique. You're not going to see it on most image editing apps. Okay, because that was my big thing with like editing on iPads and stuff. Like whenever I go and shoot a portrait session, um, like I'm usually taking about at least 150, if not like freaking 600 images or something like that, depending on how long the shoot is. Uh, and then I'm trying to import that over to my iPad. I never... I never thought that was like an efficient way to do it. But if you're saying that you can do it, then I got to try this out. I'm curious though, what are some of the other creative apps that you have on your iPad? Because like I said, I'm underutilizing this tool for sure. For sure. What what else do you got going on on your, on your iPad? I got a bunch. I got a bunch here. Okay. <laughs> so let's go, let's cover a few things. Like there's, okay. let's talk about inspiration. You want to get inspired? I love LFI Magazine's iPad app. LFI is really? Leica Photography International. You don't have to own a Leica to get this magazine. I got it well before I got my first digital Leica. It is a magazine that curates some of the best imagery in the world. It also documents pro photographers in the field, their stories. So they'll make a collection, an essay, and it's just great stories to hear. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen uh, the American Society of Cinematography, their magazine, like it's similar to that where you're getting like super rich stories from professional photographers all over the world. They showcase up and coming photographers. So if you're a photographer and you want inspiration, uh, LFI, their magazine, fantastic to have. Now let's talk about uh, work and editing and getting things done. Linnea Sketch. Linnea Sketch, L-I-N-E-A Sketch. I love this as a brainstorming app where you can go in. They have templates for storyboards, for text. You can do whatever you want with it, but just think of it as an upgraded sketchbook for your iPad. I couldn't do the work I do without this. I use this for mood boarding. I use this for storyboarding. I use this to sketch out ideas, just to scribble thoughts down. Love Linnea Sketch. There's another app. It's an older app. It's a little antiquated. It doesn't have the fancy new UIs as much, and it doesn't have any fancy buttons, but it does one specific thing, and that is create model releases. So this app is called Easy Release. It's just a quick and easy way when you're in the field to create a release based on whoever the subject is in front of you. Easy to do. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat that down, okay? That's, that's a good one. <laughs> if you're looking at other editing apps, there's apps like Darkroom. There's apps like Pixelmator. There's apps like uh, Affinity Photo. These would be alternatives to Capture One's iPad app. I really like Pixelmator. I, I, they give you a ton of great features. They make the UI easy to understand and use. They have some AI built into their app so it can give you some editing recommendations. That is one that I live by. And then there's another app simply called Retouch. The logo is like... Uh, a, a, a bent pencil, a green bent pencil that looks almost like a six. This app, again, it's called Touch Retouch by ADVA Soft, Advasoft, Advasoft, mm. I guess that's what it's called. It is the okay. best retouching tool for the iPad. It works remarkably well. Sometimes it works better than Photoshop for me, which is wild, <laughs> which is wild. And it's on the iPad. So I can just use the pencil and just quickly go in and just make a retouch as you see fit. Now you might be wondering, hey, I'm not a pro photographer. Do I need this app? I'll give you a great example. My kid hmm. who graduated from kindergarten got his photo. We got the photo <laughs> and I don't know why, 
but the person there didn't didn't like fix the hair there. Uh, guys, if you're taking school photos, especially of younger kids, like just do a one second look at the hair. You know, this is just slightly out of place. So there's like a gap, you know, between his hair at the top. I look mm. at him like, no problem. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. <laughs> uh, who cares the hundreds of dollars I got to pay you guys for the photo? I'll do it myself. So I brought oh, it into funny. the retouch app, scribbled that little piece. <laughs> and what does it do? It clones the hair, puts it in there. Kid looks brilliant. And the photographer saves, <laughs> saves face when I start to show this photo to everyone in the family. So those oh, are my, my app gosh. recommendations for the iPad that I think creators uh, will enjoy. That's too good, Gadget. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> you had one right, job. Uh, <laughs> uh, people are going to love that story. Okay, guys, creator draft pick time. I'm going to start us off because uh, I mine's super easy. Okay, I hopped into a Henry's location. Uh, I saw the Peak Design leash. I own a Peak Design leash already in gray. Uh, that silver one works perfectly with the the silver xt4 that i got going on here but then i saw the new update to these peak design leashes and they brought one out in this navy slash like deep royal blue and you got to see this in person because like i was just immediately drawn to the shelf when i saw this navy it was so nice it doesn't really match uh, with like black cameras which is like the majority of the cameras out there but the strap was so nice and you just can't get away from the peak design ecosystem because it's just so convenient but it looks excellent on the silver uh, xt4 um, so mine's super easy peak design leash in that navy slash like deep royal blue looks delicious um but that's my my draft pick for today <laughs> what, so what do you got easy, gadget easy to understand uh, yeah. let's go on the opposite uh, end of the spectrum when it comes to price. <laughs> um, let me preface this. Okay. I I've been using a, a decent, pretty good 4k monitor for the longest time for the work that I do. Right. Good color reproduction, LCD panel works fine, but I, at some point I need to upgrade and I had something on my wish list. I'm like, I'll get it eventually. I'll, I'll just wait and see, you know, um, mm. last recording that we did. I was playing back the audio files, and this monitor had speakers. I was playing back, and I'm like, why? This sounds weird. I call <laughs> oh, you up. Yeah. I'm like, we got to record this again, blah, blah, blah. I'm like changing the cables. We're doing tests, and nothing works. And you're like, hey, like, do you want to try listening on something else? Maybe it's your monitor. Lo and behold, when I listened to it on the MacBook, it was fine. So it turns out yeah. it was a monitor. It was just it was just acting <laughs> up. And then the funny thing is when I was watching YouTube or doing anything else, it was fine. It was fine. But you know what, Anthony? You know me. Fine is not good enough for me, sir. No, if it no. if it glitches like a little bit, then we're just like no. All right, it. throw it off. out. You're cut off. <laughs> All right, you break my trust once, you're cut off, just like yeah. in real life. So, I upgraded to the Apple Studio display. This is okay. a mother of a monitor, <laughs> but. <laughs> For the work that I do, I needed some specific requirements. I needed something that's 4K or higher spec. Uh, I needed something that had really good re color reproduction. Something that happens to work well in the ecosystem that I work with, you know, the, ca the computer that I'm going to be using it with, had speakers built in, and if possible, had multiple USB-C ports on the monitor itself to use as a hub so I can mm -hmm. connect other peripherals to. 
this ticked all the boxes. And anything else, well, it was slightly less expensive for a slightly compromised experience, or it may over-deliver in one area and not in the other. So I don't want to drone on about this. I picked up the Apple Studio Display. It is a fantastic monitor. When it was first announced, I was kind of like, eh, cool, I guess. But this, this is what you're paying for as a viewing experience. It matches <laughs> my new MacBook. The built-in webcam, while not fantastic, is fine. It, it does yeah. the job. And they, they're using the software there to make it look better than it would if it was just the camera on its own. But I've never been happier working at my desk. And I'm not going to lie. On the previous monitor, sometimes spend a lot of time there, get some a little bit of that migraine, a little bit of the headache going. You know, sometimes you plug it in, it doesn't connect right away. Or if you, you open it up after sleeping, it doesn't quite work right away. There was just like these little things that I kind of tolerated. And I never thought to think, hey, what if you made something that worked perfectly <laughs> every single time? That just... Yeah actually felt like a pleasure to use. And I think the best compliment I can say is that in the month that I've had this thing, every single time I sit down, it's felt like a pleasure to work, to do, and to do, to do things in front of this monitor. So that's my pick. Uh, judge me if you want, but that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> hey, this goes back to the point that we said earlier. You, sometimes you just, you want to buy it once so that way you don't have to buy it twice. Right. Yes. And that's that's what that's what the Good Morning Camera podcast is all about. I think I'm doing this outro for you, Gadget. Take it <laughs> Sign home, us Anthony. Off here. <laughs> yeah, that's why you want to tune in. Yeah, write us a review. Do all the things on the uh, Apple podcast app that help us out in the channel here. Uh, until next time, my friends. I'm Ga I'm Anthony. That's Gavin. Wow, you were literally going to do my outro. <laughs> I was, I was taking You were it. just going to work for it work. <laughs> yeah. I'm Anthony. He's Gadget. We'll see you in the next one. Take care.